1: For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com/slash Partners in Crime Media.
2: This week's Law and Order Marathon winner is Erica Singelman of Chevy Chase, Maryland. Erica will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at
3: Law and Order Podcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Alexis Linkletter, and these other stuff.
4: <coughs> there it goes. Oh my god! You're so proud.
3: <laughs> yeah. And these are their
4: <laughs> Peter Brady
3: <clears throat> And these are their stories
4: You think you know who did it But you don't know who did
1: it Law order, lie in order
3: their stories welcome to these are their stories the podcast about network tv's most enduring crime franchise and the real life cases that inspired their shows i'm kevin flynn each podcast will break down an episode from either criminal intent svu or original recipe and today we're looking at special victims unit season four episode six angels
1: now it's a ring of pedophiles how many of these sick bastards raped that kid better find them fast god knows how many other boys they're passing around
3: joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of crime writers on and netflix's you can't make this up podcast it's rebecca lavoy hello rebecca thanks for having me on the show kevin rounding out our panel is our special guest from unraveled and the first degree podcasts it's alexis Linkletter. hello alexis Hello. Thank you too for having me on. No, thank you for coming on. I have to ask, how much did growing up with SVU on television influence your decision to pursue true crime?
2: It definitely did. I used to watch it with my mom mm-hmm. all the time. You know, we would just fall asleep watching it, and she's an attorney, so we were very invested in the outcomes. And it's, you know, a big part, I'd say.
3: Was she the kind of person that would point out all the ridiculous things that would never happen and ruin it for you?
2: Oh, yeah. She's
4: a big no-it-all. <laughs> <laughs> well, so am I. i probably like her yeah, a lot. Yeah. Totally. Well,
3: well, you know, a big part of your, your true crime career on screen and in podcasting has to do with the Long Island serial killer. You've been doing it long before there was an arrest. But now it seems like this case is, like, finally coming to its final act. And do you need, like, a sense of professional closure? Like, in a way, this is the focus of your life's work, and it's coming to a conclusion. Are, are you, like, grappling with that?
2: I am grappling with it because I think it was the highlight of my entire life Mm -hmm. and like my career. And it's the most excited and interested I've ever been in anything in my entire life. So I think I'm grappling with what comes next. And I think just the entire saga also spanned my personal life and all these tribulations with that. So, yeah, I'm definitely reconciling with like who I'm going to (laughs) be. Not that it has any it's not about me, but my relationship with the case for sure.
3: Yeah. Well, I want you to know, because I care Um, what I'm going to do is pay someone to start serial killing again on Long Island (laughs) because you have the infrastructure already built in and I want you to stay busy.
2: Yeah. Honestly, though, Long Island's a weird place. I'm sure there's already someone gearing up. Sadly, you know, we've had strange serial killers there for decades and decades.
3: Alexis, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite law and order detective team?
0: Favorite law and order detective
2: team. Stabler and Benson.
3: Yeah,
0: classic
2: they, pick. I mean, just classic. But I like them apart, too. You know, like I like them apart. Stabler can be a little edgy, like especially mm-hmm. when he's not with Kathy. Like he really comes out of his shell and gets this edge that I really like. But I, yeah, Benson and Stabler. I, I love them
3: and who is your favorite prosecutorial team
1: favorite law and order district
0: attorney prosecutorial
1: team
2: barba's my favorite yeah and you know barba just means beard so i'm just like yeah the beard's coming he's coming really? i hadn't even thought about, about that <laughs> yeah the beard's coming to sweep up
3: and take care of business nice oh my god all those barises are like can't
4: you see it's in the name it has a whole new meaning <laughs> yeah. now a whole new meaning
3: All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 4, Episode 6, Angels. Just a reminder, we're going to be talking about fictional detectives investigating fictional sex crimes against fictional children. So if you still find that especially heinous, you may want to listen to another one of our episodes.
4: Yes, Kevin, do you want to repeat that again? Because I just want to make it very clear.
3: People are going to hate us for this, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Alexis's mom's gonna be like, What did you get into? Yeah. Right. I
4: watched I
2: watched it yesterday and I was like, Ooh, we're yeah. going for it. Yeah. We're going for it. Let's yeah, it's do one it. of
4: those.
3: So as if getting in and out of JFK isn't bad enough. Travelers discover the body of a young boy in the luggage bay on a bus.
0: Cherry red lips, discoloration under his fingernails, probably carbon monoxide poisoning. Where's the sex crime? found blood and fluids in his underwear. He also has a two-inch laceration on his left arm and fresh bruising on his chest and back.
1: Somebody kicked the crap out of this kid.
3: Security video captured the victim and another boy sneaking into the bus yard. Warner tells Benson and Stable that the kid was covered with bruises and had anal sutures, but he also had ten grand in dental work because he gotta keep it tight. Uh though why are you laughing at that? The squad finds his companion hiding at the airport. Ernesto says he and Jose were brought to the US from Guatemala by some charity and given to a man named Brett Jansen. He kept the boys locked up made them call him dad, and had sex with them. Munch and Finn learn Jansen is a high-end attorney. When the squad searches his apartment, they find it's heavily locked and soundproofed, and they also find Jansen dead in his bedroom, his throat slashed, and his balls cut off. Ernesto says they escaped the apartment before the murder because Jansen was about to pass them around to his pedophile friends. They find fake adoption papers for the boys and a video Jansen made in Central America with a boy alongside a man only identifiable by his tattoos. The dentist, while Macy says Jansen couldn't stop talking about his adopted sons, but Jansen's secretary says she didn't even know that he had a family. Squash partners Dr. Stuart Lynch and travel agent Tony Damon said that Jansen had a bad temper but didn't talk about having kids. Melinda tells Olivia and Elliot that the knife work done on Jansen was done with surgical precision by someone with medical training. Ernesto identifies a photo of Dr. Lynch as the doctor who came to take care of them. All right. They start off by finding Jose in the empty cargo space beneath the bus. And the bus had been stuck in traffic for about 20 minutes, which is more than enough time to die by carbon monoxide poisoning. And this woman comes out and identifies herself as a nurse who rushes to help the bus driver.
0: Barely breathing. No pulse. Can anyone help with CPR? (laughs) Can
3: anyone help with CPR? Yeah. The nurse who is right there. Already giving first aid.
4: Yeah. It's a pretty weird, like, opening for this whole thing. Yeah. He's just like, can I get a man, please? Yeah. Nobody will do the. Nobody will the- women can do anything. Except there's one amazing thing that a woman can do here. What? Melinda Warner can somehow discern that there's fluids inside these child's clothes when these child's clothes are still on. Did anyone else catch that? She's like, There's Terry. There's fluids inside of his underwear. Meanwhile, the kid's wearing a belt. He's wearing jeans. she's pointing to his body out the clothes. (laughs)
2: Like, I saw that part. And another thing I saw, which this was even before we get to the bus, is Stabler flirting with the Queens detective. Yeah.
1: And you invited me out here to Queens because?
0: I've been waiting for you to ask me that for eight months.
1: Since we stuck you with that dead hooker, is this payback, Katie?
0: bus came straight from the yard in manhattan no stops no pickups this poor kid was assaulted on your turf so it's all yours
2: she's like you were supposed to ask me out and he's like are you punishing me because i stuck you with a dead hooker last week or something and they have this odd exchange and i'm like he's not with kathy so this is going to be a wild ride you know whenever he's away from kathy (laughs) yeah he just is a rabid animal yes but yes.
3: I'm still stuck on this nurse that yeah. not yeah, getting nurse. any Sorry. respect. Yes, right. It's like I, you know, they, a man would be there. He'd be like, but actually, you need to <laughs> tilt the back of the head for yes. better mouth to mouth. you know,
4: totally. Meanwhile, someone should just be dialing nine one
3: one. you need a man to do that too? A woman would mess that up. That's as true. well. That's right? true.
4: We might go nine one two eight
2: one one. We don't know. It's hard to re- it's hard to remember those numbers for our lady brains. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. yeah.
3: I'm just going to say, kid would have survived if it was a dude, so I'm just...
4: Hey, no. No. Well,
3: they've got a security video of the kids, like, breaking into this bus depot, and the dispatcher tells them that they have cameras because the insurance company made them get them, but they didn't make them repair the three-foot-tall hole in the fence. That was fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, they do have the camera pointing right at the hole in the fence, (laughs) so they are aware it's an issue. Right. Right, so where should we set it up? How about there? How about that giant mouse hole? Yeah, yeah, perfect. In case anything happens. And what are they doing with the video? They're just—they're just even just watching it. Like, oh, okay, it's like a nature camera. Here comes somebody.
4: Well, they say that like they have a problem with people go- coming in, like homeless people and so forth. Yeah, and I'm guessing the problem is that people are coming in to sleep inside the Luggage areas and yeah. the buses. This right. doesn't need to be the first time. Nobody ever checks those before they leave in the morning with the buses. Can the you citizen, lock like, those? Should lock them, yeah. It's not like standard procedure. I mean, they check yeah. every single piece of an airplane before they even like drive it out of the little airplane garage. I mean, this should be standard by this point, in my opinion. Yeah.
3: Yeah, the bus ride to JFK should be the most dangerous part <laughs> of your travel <laughs> endeavor.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So
3: the question about that autopsy, though, anyone find it weird that Warner said that the rape kit is back and then say, I just found sutures in the anus. How could you have done the rape kit and
4: just be finding this out now? Right. Uh, The same way you do the
3: rape kit
0: with your eyes closed.
4: Kevin, there was a forensic odontologist standing right behind her.
0: Detective Stabler and Benson, this is our forensic odontologist, Dr. Noah Kamen. So how much are we talking for this dental work? Smooth
1: invisible braces, an implant where no permanent tooth grew in. I'd say we're looking at ten grand total.
4: There are so many weird things about all of the scenes in this show. She just turns around and she's like, hello, everyone. May I present the forensic odontology specialist who just happens to be standing right yeah. here. Right here, right now. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that would have taken like weeks to get back. Like in other episodes, it would have been like, we're waiting for this report. No, he's just... Right here. This is the strangest in terms of timing episode. Like... Things just happen at randomly fast paces. Scenes cut in the middle. Like it is a very, very strangely paced episode. But Alex, I'm
3: just saying maybe it wasn't the mouth they should have been focusing on so much.
2: (laughs) Maybe not. But they this is a thing they do in a lot of SVU episodes. They always go to the mouth. They'll be like, "Ooh, it was a sex worker. And look at her terrible nails. But she had expensive orthodontia. Like she goes, Warner goes there a lot.
3: Yeah, well, they got to keep uh, in the teeth. Noah, whatever his name is. They got to keep him busy. That's true. Right. Check out these fillings.
4: Aren't you guys wondering what's in your mouth that might have a serial number? I am certainly, <laughs> I've never thought about that before. And now I'm like, what's in my body? That someone could trace with a serial number. I got
2: a couple of things.
4: Yeah? A couple of things. Yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 so Elliot has to go all the way back to JFK because they've spotted the other kid. So they chase him and he runs on the luggage carousel oh. and then he goes into the hole in the wall. Always wanted to do that. And Elliot yeah. asks, what's back there? The rest of the luggage. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It doesn't, like, go into the void or something. It goes to the tarmac. Yeah. See, have you never flown anywhere, Elliot? Like, if it goes back in there, it eventually will come back around. Yeah.
4: Well, there's a reason why your luggage comes out of that wet, right? Why? What? It's not because it's like, I mean, that that one in luggage, the one where you pick up your Mm -hmm. luggage actually does come from outside. But there is definitely like a return thing in there. But they are throwing the shit on there from outside. JFK luggage comes in wet. Yeah. Not all luggage, but like it's moist in New
2: York.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time, even on a sunny day. But haven't you, isn't it
4: like every kid's fantasy to climb in through those little car wash plasticky things? See oh, yeah. what's back there. That kid lived every child's fantasy and every adult's post nine eleven fantasy in that scene. <laughs> yeah. It was incredible, definitely.
3: But if you wanted to know what was back there, couldn't he just like go through himself? It wasn't a tiny mouse hole. It was the same square thing, like you know. A German the- Shepherd fit through for God's sakes. man. if the luggage fits
4: through there. <laughs> Golf
3: clubs yeah, fit through. it wasn't like the carry-on hold or something like that. <laughs> just look back there. Boom, boom. All right, we get to see somebody before they were famous. Before
1: they were famous!
3: famous. Who was playing travel agent Tony Damon? That
1: was
4: Lego Batman Will Arnett. Will Arnett? Oh. Yes!
1: We work with an orphanage, five year olds on up. Plus, you get a videotape so you can cherish the memory.
4: Don't you like it that I refer to him as Lego Batman and oh, not like sure. the million other things that he's done?
3: Yeah, you mean the seven time Emmy nominee? Yeah. Yeah, Lego Batman, Bo, Jack, Horseman. Uh, And he appeared in Up All Night, Running Wild, just to name a few. He married his on-screen wife from Arrested Development, Amy Poehler. I love that. Uh, He met actress Penelope Ann Miller in 1994. They got married one month later and got divorced one month after that. And nobody blinks. Huh? Yikes. Uh, He is an in-demand voice actor. He is the voice of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Hmm. He Mm. has been the voice of GMC Trucks. Since 1998. Wow. That's a long, steady gig. He makes money. He probably yeah. makes
2: mon- real money doing that. Yeah.
3: Well, I think where he makes the money is in his, is in his other gig where he is the voice of Lamisil.
2: <laughs> the
4: medication?
3: Yeah. Really? Yeah. does that do? Well, big pharma, they have money. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it treats fungus. Nice. You can't let that jock itch money go, right? No. It's, yeah, it's on the you don't want to leave it on the table. Yeah,
4: he's like a shockingly and I don't want I don't mean this to like come off as like super heteronormative, but he's like a shockingly unsquare jawed guy to have such square jawed voiceover roles, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. GM trucks. Lego Batman, BoJack Horseman. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I'm a
2: huge fan of that show, and yeah, I didn't even, I hadn't even connected those dots. Like I saw his name in the credits, but I just didn't think about it.
3: His pandemic passion project is the podcast Smartless Hmm. with Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes. It remains one of the biggest podcast shows in the business, as the three of us would attest to. Mm -hmm. Uh, After less than one year, Amazon and Wondery spent. $80 $80 million for the exclusive rights to Smartless. But what? Not the exclusive exclusive rights. They didn't wall it off. It's just that they got it exclusive for two weeks before the rest of the world. What a deal. Yeah. $80 million? Yeah. It's not even like Joe Rogan or like Howard Stern where you have to get the subscription. God, the it's the only way to hear so it. so stupid. Yeah.
2: They're not making
4: that money back. No. There's no, no, no way.
3: No. no. They're they're leaning into the people are impatient business model.
4: No. There's plenty to listen to for the two weeks before that shit comes out. These yeah, companies like, well, are like so stupid. Like the previous two weeks episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow, that's stunning. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. I so know. Stu- such a waste
3: of money. <laughs> There's a Hey, It's That Guy. There is. Hey, it's that guy. Yeah, who is the actor playing that forensic odontologist?
1: True, but the implant's custom-made, so the manufacturer's ideal will be on it. We'll pull the fake tooth. The lab who made it can tell us which dentist ordered it.
3: Well, that's Glenn Flesher, eight Law & Order Universe appearances. He's been in Damages, Boardwalk Empire, For Life, Barry Billions, and The Thing About PAM. He was the, Russ, he was the guy who got set up and wrongfully convicted, took the fall for Pam. Huh. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah. Uh, he was also the Yellow King in season one of True Detective. Oh. The serial killer from the season one. The lawnmower guy? Yeah, lawnmower Ooh, guy. spoiler alert. It was the best season. It was the best season. i got to say, the season four is off strong. Do you start the
2: new one? Yeah. I know. I loved the new one,
4: too. Yeah, ep one was pretty strong. Start yeah. strong.
3: It's my favorite episode of the X-Files. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, he played uh, Russ Faria in The Thing About Pam. The veteran actor said that he loved hating Renee Zellweger, mm. and so do we, Glenn. Oh, so do we. Oh, what are you like? You're a, you're all of a sudden a Zellweger fan.
4: Well, I liked her in that role. Yeah, I liked her in that role too. But here's the thing:
3: you can talk about the fat suit.
4: No, well, no, that's uh. not what I was going to talk about. Okay. Never mind.
3: <laughs> so, did anyone recognize who's playing Doctor Stuart Lynch?
1: Nope.
0: you ever mentioned having children?
1: Well, the only kids we ever talked about oh, were mine. Mind. We could brag about them all day
3: that is patrick cassidy son of mrs partridge shirley jones and brother to sean cassidy what and half brother of david cassidy
4: shut up wow no He's a nepo baby wait total nepo baby David Cassidy's actually related to shirley jones yeah shirley jones is the mom
3: yeah so like if you did you ever watch the partridge family alexis yes. okay. oh, yeah.
4: i didn't think they were related
3: in real life David Cass and Shirley Jones are related. Yes. In real life. In real life. Yeah, they're real mom and you didn't know that? No. I didn't know that. I keep you keep learning so much. Talk,
2: they don't They no one told me. I thought they were I just know. TV mother <laughs> and son.
3: No, 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 no. You're thinking of Greg and, uh, and Mrs. Brady. I
4: don't think it's I don't think that's common knowledge. It is well, I guess I not
3: with you guys, but uh
4: Also, I'm not 100 years old, so that helps.
3: Yeah, probably. Yeah, Probably. Yeah. Patrick Cassidy, uh, he played Johnny Castle in Dirty Dancing, the TV
4: series. Hmm. So Johnny was the one who impregnated Penny, right, in the movie?
3: Yeah, well, this was the Patrick Swayze role. Oh, that, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He took that on for this TV uh, show. Do you know who played Baby in the TV show? Yeah. It was Melora Hardin. She's, she's Jan from The Office. Oh, okay. She's oh. younger, yeah. Uh, so Patrick Cassidy, he was the quarterback at the Hollywood High, and he wanted to be a professional football player, but he broke his collarbone and meh, decided I'll give the acting a try. And oh. somehow he made it. I wonder how. That Nepo baby. Yeah, um, against the odds. Tell us again how kids say the darndest things Alexis Linklater. <laughs> they do. They do. They do. Say the darndest things. I know, and here, yeah. Can you tell me the name of the actor who was playing the dentist, Walt Massey?
1: How well did you know Brett Jansen? Not well at all, but I admired him for adopting two boys from a foreign country. He seemed like a really caring father. No.
3: That gentleman is Michael Hayden, acclaimed stage actor. He was defense attorney Chris Doknovich in ABC's Murder One. This was a great show. I don't know if any of you remember this on ABC. It was for two seasons. This came out right after OJ. The premise was it would follow one murder case for the entire season. And it won Mm -hmm. three Emmy Awards uh, over the two seasons. And it didn't go anywhere. It really launched the career of the bad guy, Stanley Tucci. Oh, wow. He played the scariest fucking rich guy who... Says he didn't kill the person, but maybe he did kill her. Hmm. Uh, he was is, he was just crazy good in that. Growing up, Michael wasn't interested in acting. He was the quarterback on his high school team until he hurt his shoulder. And what the fuck is it with quarterbacks and acting? They love attention. They love attention. They want to be the center yeah. of attention. <laughs> Do you know who's playing that little Ernesto? No. No, but I did know it. I was like, what a classically
2: handsome young man. Yeah. I was like, what a cutie. A yield. I called him a pig. I told them to leave Jose alone. Then he came in,
3: pulled me out of bed. That's Pablo Santos. I got to say, he died in a plane crash at Are age 19 outside of Mexico City in 2006.
2: That's awful. Horrible. Yeah. Why do so many people die in plane crashes? I'm just like... A lot of actors. It's all. Yeah. I bet it was a small plane. Small it was planes, a small no, plane. You. Yeah,
3: he was up. I guess with like six of his friends. He, I think, I, one of his friends, I think, also died, and then four survived or something like that. He was. God. Yeah, it was. It was Terrible. very sad. Pablo was the lead in the WB comedy series "Greetings from Tucson." It really? was about a Latino family rising to the middle class. It got a one star review on IMDb. Rebecca, will you please read the review?
4: Sure. That 15-year-old David Tiant character is too poorly made. That actor Pablo Santos is a 15-year-old actor with a permanent 11-year-old personality that cannot match with that 15-year-old David Tiant role enough. Of course he will have a hard time acting that way when his personality cannot match his given role, and that led to his failed survival in that plane crash afterwards. Oh, my God! Rebecca! Oh, my God! I didn't think you could victim blame plane crash victims. Oh, That's my something. God! They've, they've, they've Who heard done that? it. Who wrote that?
3: I had somebody anonymous on IMDb. Are you
4: going to, like, cut out that piece of audio and then just, like, tweet me saying that? <sighs>
3: That was a real Michael Che moment there. I
4: don't like when you can give reviews
2: anonymously. I think that's people take advantage. Like all any negative review I've ever had. I'm like, of course, no, one will say it to my face. Thank you, Phil, four, (laughs)
4: one, seven, five, six. I appreciate your criticism of my laughter. Really appreciate it. it.
2: Whatever. They'll criticize anything. And I'm like, show me your face. That's right. Coward. That's right. Who's going to victim blame a plane crash victim? That's a crazy thing to do.
4: I know. No.
3: And not even like, well, he he shouldn't have been flying. It was just that (laughs) he was a really bad actor and
4: that's why I didn't be sad. He can't act his way out of a crashing plane. Crashing plane. Oh, my goodness.
3: Yep. All right. Thanks, America.
2: rest. Wow. Well, this is a beautiful tribute to him this episode then.
3: Oh, yeah. He does a great job. Acting in this, in this, they actually have a couple of good child actors. How about the one who's playing Ramon, who is Doctor Lynch's oldest adopted son? He, uh, vive aquí, Juan. mi papá
0: y nosotros solamente.
3: Yeah, that actor is Felipe Diepa. He was the original Diego on Dora the Explorer.
4: Oh, really?
3: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: Well. Uh, I recognized him from that. He looks just like Diego. He looks just like Diego, right? (laughs) You know, the drawn character of Diego. Diego. Yeah. Uh, He did
3: the first eight episodes as Diego, and then that fucker, Gabriel Alvarez, came along. (laughs) The Sammy Hagar of Dora the Explorer. Yeah. Uh, Only if Gabriel hadn't hurt his shoulder playing quarterback, it could still be Felipe's role. Totally. (laughs) So did anyone recognize the... uh, Bus Dispatcher.
4: I totally did. Give it you to me. You did? No. Of course I okay. did. All I was right. like, I didn't recognize anyone. No. Anyone. I only recognized Will Arnett because he's Will Arnett, but that was it. Okay, that's Bo Caprell. Any chance
3: a kid could have sneaked on before it came back here? Uh, we would have found him. driver stays behind to check every compartment, all the seats, you know, see if anything was left. He played Laverne's boyfriend, Officer Norm oh. Hughes, on Laverne and Shirley. Oh. And he was primarily a writer in his career, he worked on things like Welcome Back, Cotter, Carol Burnett. He wrote the pilot episode for Solid Gold. Hmm. Who knew they needed a, a writer for Solid Gold? Wasn't it just like... <laughs>
4: well, they needed something for Denny Terrio to say.
3: Uh, okay, in between dancing? Yeah. Who would forget, though, his his masterpiece, a Thanksgiving reunion with the Partridge family and my three sons. A little
4: crossover here, cross,
3: yeah. Those, Couldn't forget it. Yeah, I immediately forgot it. Uh, <sighs> but you definitely cannot forget his role in the highly acclaimed ABC After School special, "Backwards: The Riddle of Dyslexia." <laughs> <laughs> what is the riddle of dyslexia? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, he played the father of River and Joaquin Phoenix. Huh. Both in this, uh, in this show together, River Phoenix played a student who discovers he has dyslexia. And then two years later, in real life, River discovered that he had dyslexia the whole time.
2: Huh. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. yeah, Artie's method. Maybe. I- method. Yeah, that makes sense. It was called... Leaning into it. Backward.
4: It was called backwards. Dyslexia. Yeah.
3: <laughs> the director was like, River, you're so good at doing the letters like that. How did you... <laughs> Yeah, so remember, this was like uh, in the 80s. These were Gen X kids, so remember that the treatment for dyslexia was to stop slacking off.
4: (laughs) Go for a run.
3: (laughs) All right, so uh, they bring in Wong. Bring in
1: Wong. He's not wrong. Bring in Wong.
3: And so Cragen asks him, hey.
1: Ernesto have anything to do with this murder. It's possible. It's
3: possible.
4: <laughs> Ooh, Wong is such a tease. Yes. Maybe, maybe and, not. And then Liv says, but he doesn't have a drop of blood on him. And Wong says, I said it was possible. I didn't say he did it. He did it. Right? What a genius you are, Wong. It's like,
3: my work here is done. Now I will leave. And he just with the tip of the cap. Yes. And a tap dance his way out. And
4: then he says, we need you to go in there, Liv, and question him because you have... Lady magic. <laughs> Ooh. Dr. Wong, he
2: loves to bring his sexual orientation into his work. Have you guys ever noticed that? Well, he'd yeah. be like, well, as a gay male, I think he loves to, like, really put it front and center. As the
3: series went along, he did more But do more people other. do that?
2: Yeah. Do people do that in their job? Like, do do police do that? Like, I feel like they oh, would. definitely
3: not police.
2: But, like, would a forensic psychiatrist do that? I don't know. He seems to like to.
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: I wonder if uh, how Noah, the forensic odontologist, would work that into a. <laughs>
4: yeah. You know, as a gay man, I out. can
3: tell you these teeth are spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> they find a video of Jansen with a little boy and a man with some tattoos on his back.
1: So you're viewing disgust. Apparently, Jansen wasn't satisfied just victimizing Jose and Ernesto. Oh, that's great. Two men and a kid no older than my 10-year-old son.
3: So naturally, Stabler takes one look at this video and says,
4: Turn it off! Man, that's your killer right there. That is your fucking job. It's not
3: not like you've got to go through 12 more hours. The killer is right
4: there. Maybe he'll turn around. Alexis, this is my pet peeve about this fucking show, okay? Right. These are sex police. These are rape police. And the one job they seem unwilling to do over and over and over again is watch the video evidence of any sexual assault. Elliot's always like, turn it off. Or Finn's like, I'm not watching this garbage. And I'm like, I've seen enough. It's your job. (laughs) You have one job. You've one job, which is to collect evidence in sexual assaults. And there is literally video. Like, what do we always say? People don't believe women. Like, oh, if only there were video. There's fucking video.
3: Watch the video. Do you want to go in that room and ask the kid about his sutures? Or do you want to watch this video? (laughs) I'd be like, I'll take the video. I'm all on it. Thank you.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Dr. Wong would watch the video. Yeah, he would.
3: Benson and Stabler go to Jansen's squash club, and they interview Stuart Lynch.
1: Thanks, Mr. Lynch. We'll be in touch. No problem, and it's Doctor Lynch.
3: That's Doctor Lynch. Sus. Hey, Alexis, do you know how you can tell if someone is an acclaimed surgeon?
2: Tell me how.
3: Yeah, don't worry. They'll make sure you know.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, just like vegans. <laughs> vegans will tell you.
3: That's it. You don't need to ask. <laughs>
2: A different tomorrow with Norwegian Cruise Line. Book today and get 50% off your cruise to Alaska, Europe, and beyond. Plus, everyone can enjoy their vacation with free unlimited open bar, free specialty dining, and more. Visit ncl.com, call your travel advisor, or one ncl cruise Offer ends soon. Norwegian Cruise Line. Ships registry the Bahamas and USA. Restrictions apply.
0: The rest of my life gonna start today.
3: Now let's look at the second half of this episode. Dr. Lynch has three adopted sons and travels often to Central America with the help of Damon's travel agency. There were phone calls among the three of them the night of the murder.
0: Custom
2: says that Jansen traveled to Guatemala two years ago around the time Ernesto was brought here.
1: That's probably when that videotape was made. Damon is setting up his friends on sex tours and they're bringing back human souvenirs. And pass them around to their friends. Which means we gotta try to get Lynch's kids out of that house tonight.
3: Cabot says they can't take Lynch's kids because there's no evidence he raped either them or Ernesto. So Munch goes undercover and books a kiddie sex vacation with Damon. The travel agent says that Lynch demanded his money back when the kids escaped, but his souvenir rape video is about to arrive from Guatemala any minute now. The squad arrests him just before he can get to the good parts. Lynch says that he'll flip to give testimony against all the other pedophiles using Damon's travel service to fake adopt children. And they've all been seeing the same dentist, Walt Macy. Benson and Stabler learn that he is a superstar stepdad to two boys, but he loves one of them just a little more than the other. Mm. While questioning Macy, Elliot discovers his incriminating tattoos from the video. The dentist admits to killing Jansen for beating up those little angels because you got to treat them right. Okay, so Benson and Stabler meet up with Cabot to talk about the case, and she's in a fancy restaurant. And they discover that she's on a date with Heidi defense attorney Trevor Langdon, a.k.a. Mr. Marishka Ooh. Hargitek. Yeah!
1: Do you already have a lynch on failing to report Jose's abuse? An A misdemeanor with no priors, I'd argue, for a fine and no jail time.
4: I think Alex is uh, turning with the enemy. Can you give us two minutes? Benson doesn't even seem mad The cat is that with her husband. Like, she doesn't even seem a little bit mad. It's because
3: it's fiction, Rebecca. She I doesn't know. I didn't know that was
4: her husband. Yeah, it's her real-life husband, Peter Herman. I follow her on Instagram, and I see him, and it just, Didn't click. That's him. I love that. I think he and Cabot look good together. And whatever happened to that relationship, that's what I want to know. Are we we supposed to assume that they've been fucking this whole time? Well,
3: I'll tell you, when he came to the table, Cabot said, can you give me two minutes? And he says, yes, but I have to maintain eye contact.
4: (laughs) If you want two minutes. I like it when he jumped in with what his defense would be. Yeah. And they were like, you guys are all the same. That's a
3: freebie. There you go. You lawyers,
4: you disgusting lawyers who care about people's rights. You're all the same. Sick. But you're hot.
3: <laughs> Cabot's hot.
2: Yes. I think Cabot's a smoke show. Yeah, she is. What that red all the women, dress. All the
4: women on the show are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you have to have a good Rollins. body. Yeah, to work in criminal justice in in, uh, <laughs> yeah. in New York City, apparently. You have to. Yeah. yeah.
3: So to catch Damon in the act, they set up the sting operation, Mm. and Munch goes undercover wearing contact lenses, a tan suit, and a blue tie. If ever anyone didn't need a costume change to pose as a creepy international child smuggler, it's probably Munch.
4: That's right. It's a
1: standard two-week package. You fly business class, stay in a business hotel, meals and entertainment included for $5,000 and the uh, entertainment do prefer girls or boys or both boys 11 to 13
4: i'll just take off my glasses
2: my parents met him at a party in the 80s uh-huh and they, every time it comes on and they're they're like we met him and he was weird and i was like <laughs> weird g- weird good or weird bad like they're like party in 80s party weird i'm like okay mm. they didn't elaborate
3: we just cannot say good things about dead people on this episode, I guess.
4: I guess. Oh, I forgot he passed away. Honestly. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wasn't he? Like, he was well-liked, right? Oh,
0: oh
2: yeah, I'm no, sure yeah. he was sure great. Bowser. But, you know, everyone's weird at a late-night party in the 80s. Sure. Like,
4: but he for sure has, like, pedophile face in this story, episode. story, like, yeah.
2: what people were doing in the No one was filming anything. You could get away with whatever. I'm sure everyone was weird at these parties. Yeah.
3: hmm but your parents were there. Did you ever, like, ask them about, well, what were you doing there, Mom?
2: <laughs> I know they're, they're, they've are they're admitted to their weirdness. They're <laughs> p- weird. They <laughs> own it.
3: All right. They That's par- great. They
2: partied. They partied. Yeah, they partied. Yep.
3: Good on yep. them. So I guess the way that you check to see if someone is a legit pedophile is to run their
4: credit? <laughs> yes. And check their ID.
1: Well, your personal and credit information checked out okay. You've ran my credit? You make sure you are who you say you are. For both of our protection. Which is why I also need to see some ID. I understand completely.
4: Oh, it's you. Right. It's you. Yeah, yeah. You, you you are on the NAMBLA
3: list. It's cool. But that's that's what the guy checks, not whether or not maybe this guy's a cop, just could he pay? Yes. You and know? then he's
4: like, we, make, we should make sure you are who you say you are. You're the guy whose credit I ran. Yeah.
3: It's like, <laughs> wow. Equifax 820, very kinky, yeah, sir. Real,
4: real good. Real good. Yeah. By the
3: way, those, those credit scores, remember, those numbers are affected by the date of your oldest account. Hmm. So if it's really young.
4: Oh, okay. <laughs> <all> right, just, <laughs> all right. All right. Maybe that's
3: where the whole pedophile thing.
4: Oh, Alexis gosh. got that. You oh, took you a minute, Rebecca. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's
3: a really weird scene.
4: Yeah, it is a really weird scene and a very funny scene. The
2: contacts, why does it, the contacts are going to make him incognito? I don't really under, like, yeah. he's pretty distinctive looking.
4: Yeah, and no one knows who he is, so why did he not wear his glasses? <laughs>
2: just look like yourself, yeah.
4: So they think that they can nail
3: Stewart because he's been waiting for a videotape of his escapades to be mailed from Guatemala. Why would it take weeks to get a video? You just take it out of the camera and you go home.
4: I think it was like a glamour shot service that he visited in Guatemala. Like, we're having editing, like, okay. Color correction. Yeah, we're, we're going to send it to Post. We have plans. Like, why? Like, what was the, what was the, what were they going to do with this video that wasn't like, gonna, it was going to make it more disgusting? Like. Oh,
3: Alexis, somebody has to put those black bars over their <laughs> eyes, right?
4: Yeah.
2: Somebody I mean, does that. That's somebody's job.
3: He's
4: got to move around. Not
2: stablers, because he won't even watch it. But So, oh. I,
4: so I don't think <sighs> the kid looked young enough. So I'm going to do a little CGI. CGI. It's like, "Oh my god, he looks just like Diego." <laughs> yum yum yum
3: yum, delicioso. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> backpack, backpack. All right. So they knock on Stewart's door, right? And the three boys just walk out and they open the front door for him. So Jansen has his kids locked down like Slimer in the Ghostbusters vault, and Stewart's kids are just like answering DoorDash. Yeah. You know, he's like, "Hey kids, Dad's got some wacket time now, so just take care of the house. <laughs> well, he's oh, delusional, and he believes his kids are willing participants. Remember,
2: all the nameless peeps think it's natural yeah. that this is like a nurturing symbiotic,
4: yeah. Situation. Except that they make them keep secret, <laughs> keep the secret, yeah. so they know it's not fucking right.
3: You know what the kids call it when another video comes in from Guatemala? What a night off.
4: Oh, oh Kevin,
3: just say it. Like, why does he need three? Yeah. Is he collecting a set?
2: He's greedy. Yeah. yeah. The audacity. That's yeah. why. The, yeah. the audacity. And this is, I'm not saying all men, but most men have audacity. And like yeah. someone with doctor in their name, they have audacity.
4: You did do the disclaimer. The that's show, right. Which is Remember,
3: the only these are reason I'm making this observation. Fictional kids. They, their their parents drove them to the set. Correct. They got paid scale. They Correct. They from they ate from craft services
2: and, and they this went is home.
4: Dialogue that a writer wrote. Yeah. For a fake victim of a pedophile. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. He said, "I could never tell anyone they wouldn't understand."
1: Sean, look at me. I do understand, and there is no need to be afraid.
4: That kid broke so fucking quickly. Like, oh, yeah. he was like, I'm not supposed to say anything. It's a secret. And then the next fucking thing out of his mouth was exactly <laughs> what it was his stepdad was doing to him. Like, yeah. what kind of secret keeper is this kid, man? Not good. Not a good the
2: brainwashing. Wife. The brainwashing was weak. It was. Weak brainwashing for someone it as was. smart as a
4: doctor. Exactly. What yeah. was his dentist up to? He was not very good at this whole hypnosis situation. Yeah, you know?
3: it's like... I'm telling you to keep this secret from one person in particular, and it's a cop. <laughs> so if you're going to bend on anyone, right. you know, if it's got to be a teacher, These kids or, are weak, yeah. man. They're weak. Weak kids. <laughs> weak. Weak fake kids. <laughs> Not blaming it on the kids, blaming it on the writers. It's the
4: writers. The kids were strong. If the kids were real, they, of course, would be very strong. But yeah. these fake kids. A lot of tenacity, the real kids. Weak. Weak secret keepers. Weak. Flimsy. Flimsy. Don't trust them. Don't trust no. those kids. They can't get can not have a surprise party. Nothing. Don't trust them. No loyalty.
3: Daddy's back there with his new tape. <laughs> I got to say, he couldn't have been that far into it because his belt was still buckled. Right? Yeah, he hadn't gotten to the good part yet. hadn't got to the good he part. He was doing some foreplay. It was foreplay time. That's right. He was like going. I guess he was sitting through all the credits that they had to add in the beginning
4: and <laughs> the from the post. The post work right. that was yeah. done. That's right.
3: And his big opening montage. The Will
4: Arnett Travel Agency presents Dun,
3: da, da, yep. da. your
4: yeah. trip to Guatemala. A production of the Will Arnett Travel Agency.
3: It just keeps going on and (laughs) That's right. It lists the grip and the best boy. (laughs) And the best boy's grip. I mean, it just keeps going on. Yes, and and those things
4: have different meanings in this particular film. They do. They do.
3: Like a credit score. They eventually (laughs) question the dentist, Walt Macy. So Stabler and Benson arrange a bit of theater.
2: Look, Elliot, we gotta move
1: on this. Look, I told you I'm not wasting my time with that crap, you handle it. You have it your way. Have it my have it my way. I got this case. I got a 14-year-old girl who's dating this 22-year-old guy, completely consensual sex, and they want to lock this poor guy up for statutory rape. They have
3: this argument to get Macy on his side, or as Stabler likes to call it, good
4: cop woman cop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what Stabler calls it every day. It's not theater for him. He calls that Thursday.
3: (laughs) And Friday. (laughs) And Monday. Yeah, exactly. So he's questioning Macy and he grabs his arm and rolls up his sleeve and says, what about this tattoo? Well, if you watch the fucking video, you would know what that tattoo was. That's
4: right. You had one job. One job. One job. Watch the fucking video. It's evidence of a sex crime. And that's your job. And Can't then the it. whole
3: episode ends on a weird note. In the middle of a scene. Right
4: in the middle of the scene, he
3: turns and he just asks the, the suspect, what kind of a monster are you? Again, if you watch the video, you would know exactly <laughs> would what know. kind of monster he is. Yeah, And scene. And scene.
4: Yeah, that was an odd ending. A little abrupt. There was no order.
3: There was no order. There was no order
4: law. in this episode no. of Law and Order. We had no, no Barba. We had no Cabot. We had no justice.
3: Justice was fleeting, absolutely.
4: It was a mid-scene ending. I, this episode is so weird, pacing-wise. It's so weird. It's just like a bunch of kid actors putting together their like audition tapes for Annie or whatever. <laughs> it's a very strange episode.
2: A lot of male energy. A lot of men in this episode.
4: Yep.
3: Yeah. All right, anybody Usually ha-
2: like a, some feminine energy in there. Yeah.
3: So does anybody have anything else from the episode they wanted to bring up? Lexus, did you have any... Additional thoughts.
2: I mean, I I did think it was convenient that they barged in on him about to watch it. Like, I yeah. think the timing was pretty serendipitous. right. Yeah. You know, you can always count on Stabler to do that.
3: Yep. Yeah, because three minutes later, and it's a completely different scene.
4: <laughs> right. That's right. I always love it when they round because up. Because this
3: guy's got to start locking doors, right? Whether it's the sure. front door or do his masturbatorium, he really needs to like lock a door.
4: Masturbatorium. Those I kids like are trained, that. man.
3: They're trained pretty well.
4: Not, not to keep a secret, but they <laughs> are trained. Um, I love. I always love when they round up a bunch of pedos and put them in a cell together. Good pedo roundup. That's what I was like. Like, let's round them all up. Yeah. I was like, they're just like recycling shit in this show. I was like, this is so familiar.
3: Only so many ways to skin a kid.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip From The Headlines. You
1: think you know who did you it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know
3: who did it. Rip From The
1: Headlines. Inspiration for this story comes from the 1999 case of Marvin Hirsch. A mathematics professor at a Florida university, Hirsch traveled to a poor village in the Dominican Republic in the mid-'80s. There, he had sex with two boys in exchange for food. Over the next decade, Hirsch made trips to Mexico, Thailand and Honduras, seeking impoverished children to molest. During one trip to Honduras, Hirsch traded food for sex with a hungry 17-year-old boy who lived in a thatched hut. Hirsch teamed up with another man and made repeated trips to Central America to have sex with a boy and his two little brothers. Hirsch arranged to bring the youngest boy to the US, telling people he The 10-year-old was his illegitimate son by a Honduran woman. Florida officials became suspicious and searched Hirsch's house. They found a large stash of child pornography and hand-drawn maps to poverty-stricken villages in third world countries. Hirsch was the first person convicted in the US of a law banning travel abroad for the purpose of child sex and receiving a sentence of 105 years. He died in a federal prison in March 2022 at the age of 82.
4: What the fuck does Cy Freighter think he's, like, working on when he gets this copy to read for this stupid podcast? Cy
3: Freighter is dead inside. He just... is <laughs> so
4: funny. I feel so bad for him. I, You know, week after week, I'm like, poor Cy. He's got to read this depraved shit. This week, he's like, someone's changing food. It's exchanging food for molestation. <laughs> He's just this British guy living in Europe. What the poor? I'm sorry, Cy. I am sorry. Feel sorry for
3: Alexis's parents. <laughs> They're going to have to like, oh, well, let's check this out. We love SVU.
2: <laughs> oh, I'll be sending this to them for sure. Yeah.
3: They made a cameo. <laughs> yeah, 80s cameo. They'll love it. All right. Let's talk about sex tourism okay. both adults Let's. and child right. sex tourism Let's. sex tourism in Thailand mm. is a 6 billion dollar business Jesus. it's legal and promoted in Amsterdam throughout the Caribbean they estimate there's at least 10,000 women doing sex work that caters just to tourists and the question is so how do you stop people from leaving the country to travel to you know to parts of the world where they can pay for any kind of sex and things that they can't legally do here.
4: I
2: think it's the responsibility of the the location. You know, Thailand should do more, but I know that's a really like privileged perspective. I'm sure they try to enforce that, but
3: Thailand's interesting know. because they when um American servicemen first started going there and paying for for sex, it all of a sudden became a, one of its biggest industries. So even though it's not strictly Legal. Like I said, it's, it's worth $6 billion. Mm. Um, and so, you know, Amsterdam, for example, has recently been, start, they've started a ad campaign in the UK encouraging British tourists to stop coming hmm. because they show up and get completely drunk and, you know, sloppy, not keeping it tight and embarrass you know, themselves. And embarrass themselves and they become a nuisance. Yeah. But the idea that I, I will travel to X place to have sex or I'm just going to go and I'm going to see the waterfalls and everything. And while I'm there, I'm going to stop at the local.
4: I'm going to exploit somebody. I'm going to exploit. Yeah. I mean, that is
3: uh, that is far more common than we think.
2: I know. I think I think I knew it was common.
4: Mm. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's common in the U.S. Like people like men go on their little golf trips and. Right. right. You know, like, of course, they're doing it there. Right. Yeah. But Thailand, I think, is the worst for the underage. Yeah. Now, that's that's definitely
3: a a different kind of issue. We're not talking about empowered sex workers and we're talking about, um, you know, childhood sex slavery. Yeah. Uh, Even after Hirsch was arrested and police searched his house, he continued to download child pornography. And I'm guessing that's because the police took all of his.
4: Oh,
2: my God. The audacity, man. I can't like. The hubris is mind-blowing.
3: Yeah. yeah, he was not remorseful at his sentencing. He said that his conscience would not allow him to accept a 10-year plea. So instead, he went to trial and got 105 years. Good. <sighs> Why do child molesters think that juries will find them charming and sympathetic?
2: Narcissism, delusion, arrogance, audacity, all those things. Like, I, Just, yeah. think you can outsmart anyone.
4: I also think that for real pedophiles believe just like for real racists believe that everybody has this feeling inside of them and just hasn't Mm -hmm. admitted it tapped into it yet like like they they can make them see yeah they believe like come on you know you feel the same way I'm just doing it. It's natural. You know that. That sounds like the stabler
3: good cop woman cop. Like,
4: like you know for sure that this Mm -hmm. is something that you want to. Come on. You know it is. The law says you can't. And that's arbitrary. Like, just like it's arbitrary that you have to wait till you're 18 to vote. It's just like that. Like, they think that way. They honestly do think they're that They're constructs. Way. They're just constructs. Yes. Yeah. Social yeah, cause, constructs. Because they're disgusting. Like, that's yeah. how they think. And I, th- I think that they believe that they can, like, just, like, that uh, the other people will be like, you know what? Yeah, that's right. It's He's actually, right. Yeah, it's totally right. <laughs> and, when, and when I get in secret with 11 other people, we're all just going to be like, totally.
3: That's totally Let's right. do that.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: He he brought, this, Hirsch brought these kids to the U.S. and said that they were his children. Can I point out that, Congressman Matt Gates says he has a teenage adopted Cuban immigrant son named Nestor who has his own real life fucking dad and he has not actually adopted him and that's not even in the top 5 craziest things about Matt Gates. Nope.
4: <laughs> it's really not. I'm not surprised. Like as soon as you said his name
2: I was like, "Oh, here we go." Of course.
4: Of course. We're not implying anything about Matt Gates. It's just I, a very fucking strange detail about Matt Gates. Very like, strange. Like I guess you, you just say
3: anybody's your adopted yeah, kid. Yeah. I would just
4: say don't do that because it's not a good look considering what what that has meant when other people have done yeah. it.
3: Yeah, by the 100%. way, Nestor is is the brother of an ex-girlfriend. The, their mother died since that he moved in and so he's in his late teens and Gates still like says like I'm his father and it's it's really weird. So Mr. Hirsch was a sixty-year-old math professor. So Rebecca, how many times does sixty go into fifteen? Oh, stop it! What?
4: Ow! Stop, stop, oh, it, stop, stop,
3: it, stop hitting stop me! It.
4: Stop it! Stop it! Stop that's it! That's
3: gonna do it for us. Oh, we want to thank our guest Alexis it's Linkletter and P. Flynn.
2: <laughs> Alexis, where
3: can our listeners follow you online?
2: At Alexis Linkletter on
4: Instagram. You know that's kind of my main jam. I don't mess. With, I don't mess with X.
3: And Rebecca Lavoy.
4: Uh, you can find me everywhere, including Instagram at. Reb LaVoy. But it's at Kevin P. Flynn for that last one.
3: Yeah, that's at Twitter. And you can tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Or like and subscribe on YouTube and TikTok. Our newsreader was the Dead Inside Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn handles promotions. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, studio, and is a production of Partners in Crime Media.
2: Partners Partners in in Crime Crime Media. Media.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing.